Michelle. Hi, I'm Caitlin. Welcome to Better Words. Hi, guys. Welcome to another episode. <laughs> it's been a busy, like, few weeks. We've both been to lots of, like, events and oh, stuff. You had an God. amazing weekend, didn't you? Very bookish weekend. It, yeah, it was. So, first, I went to Shameless live podcast show in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Hilarious, fun. Anyway, wonderful. Quick we love those girls. Yep. Exactly. Um, but no, the main event, I suppose, of the weekend <sighs> is I went to the Sydney Book Brunch um, Christmas edition, I suppose you could say, um, with heaps of other um, bookstagram girls here in Sydney. It was so fun. It was great. So I I could tell you heaps more about it, but like, Everyone can should just go check out all of our stories and all of our posts on Instagram. We're all tagged each other in everything. <laughs> um, but it was so fun. We all walked away with like heaps of books. We all brought some to share and we did like blind date with a book. So I was like opening them and I was like, oh, there was actually one. I opened it. I picked it up and it said like 2016 or 17 release or something. Love Oz um you know own voices or like I don't know a few things like this and I was like oh my god so far up my alley and then I opened it and I was like yes it is because I already read it and loved it it was when Michael met Mina (laughs) I saw you post that so yeah so far up your own alley that you've already read it (laughs) yeah that I'd already I'd already got there it was Oh, and like yeah. small plug, we we spoke to um, Randa who wrote that. We spoke to her, like yeah, we did a bunch of ages ago. back. Yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, small plug there, but that it looked so much fun. And like because you've only recently moved to Sydney as well, was it nice to meet other people? Like you know, you can go to events with and yeah, definitely. It was so nice to meet everyone, and I. I don't, it was just so cool and it was like went out for brunch on a Saturday you know it was like having real friends <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean gosh yeah yeah no it was great I I hope I can um that we can have like little brunches like that in the future and like see each other around you know different bookish events and everything so um, it was great. But, yes, when I say like having real friends, I just mean because I don't have that many friends in Sydney. But Yeah, exa- well, exactly. <laughs> and, like, you have a lot of friends, but now a lot of them are, like, virtual friends because you've exactly. moved. So, yeah, it would be nice to – I mean, I think that about friends who I make who aren't, like, blogging friends. And I'm like, oh, my God, mm. I've made, like, a, a proper a real friend. friend. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, my blogging friends are real friends, but – when you meet people in person and you you know them online, you already have that to talk about. But when you yeah. actually just get talking to someone and you're like, oh, you're cool and you make friends like the old-fashioned way, it's like, yeah. yes, accomplishment. It, it was very funny at this brunch. We were all talking to each other and everything. And every so often if you were, like, talking to someone else, I just have I just had to keep saying, I was like, I'm sorry. I was like, what's your handle again? I was, like, just matching people <laughs> to their Instagram handle. Yeah. I was like, I need to remember your real name and your face, but also match this to who I know as like Instagram posts. That's what can be hard too if it's just they just do solely book posts and they don't really put much of themselves on there. If you're trying to find them, like, oh, my God, I can't remember what they look like. (laughs) 
right? I know. <laughs> I am one of those people. There's not that much of my face on there, but um, that's true. I mean, that's true. Yeah. Anyway. So yes, that was so fun. That was a fun <laughs> weekend. Oh yeah, no, that sounds really fun. Those bookish brunches look so good, and yeah. Yeah, it looked like you came away with some brilliant books as well. Oh, I did. I will just dive right in, actually, because I'm almost finished. And by almost finished, I mean like 10 pages. I'm going to finish it after we chat. Um, I'm almost finished the first one that I've read from my little pile. This one was one that was came from like the Unhaul pile. So I believe it was released this year, though. Um, and it is The Man in the Water by David Burton. So that's the same author oh. who wrote How to Be Happy. Yeah. Which I you like, right? Yeah, yeah, I was really yeah, I was looking I I was looking forward to reading his this is fiction, isn't it? Yes. It is actually set um in a small town in Queensland, um, a mining town. And See, they the go. Man, Yeah, exactly. And the man in the water title character um is the main character, Sean. Um, finds a dead body, so it kind of, that's like the start, and he's Ooh. like trying to figure out what happened and like. Oh my God, I'm gonna have to read this. His soon. classmates, yeah. I mean, that sounds I cool. Have, I started it yesterday morning on the train. Um, if I had got a seat from my first stop this afternoon, I probably would have finished it, but I only got a seat two stops in. <laughs> so Sorry, you weren't reading a little bit up. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> It was very crowded. Amateur hour. <laughs> <laughs> very, very uh, crowded. But if I if I was, I feel like I would have finished the book in like the four sittings on the train, mm. which is ridiculous because that should only be two hours. But I think it must have been more. There must have been delays. <laughs> but, but realistically so like it's just a very book. yeah, it's a very readable book, obviously. Yeah, it was it's so good. I'm loving it. Excellent. Yeah. And I mean what if, have you if been people haven't read How to Be Happy, I highly recommend that as well. That was a text prize winner a few years ago. Yes. So and that's like nonfiction, which you don't get much YA nonfiction. So it was really good. Um, I just read a book that also came out this year um, and has been super, super hyped by a lot of people. I felt like everyone I knew was reading it at one point, and that was How Do You Like Me Now by Holly Bourne. So oh, Holly I is... have got to read some of her stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going you're gonna to love this book. Yeah. You, you are going to love this, like this one, the adult one, but I'm reading mm-hmm. some of her YA now and it's very nice. Um, good contemporary YA as well, which I think you will also enjoy. Um, But her adult book was very different. It felt a lot more, um, I would say sophisticated. (laughs) Yeah. Like it felt, oh, there were some passages. I actually just had a coffee date yesterday with one of the girls from co-working club, literally. So she lent me the book and then after I finished it, I was like, we need to sit down and talk about this book. There's so many things in it. And wow. so I was like, after co-working one day, do you just want to like, like go get a coffee and talk about the book? Which is exactly what we did. And we honestly sat like an hour just talking about all the different themes. There's so much stuff about, um, you know, that division between friends who have children and friends who don't yet have children. When your single friend 
gets into a happy relationship, when you might be in a bad relationship, um, learning to see the signs of a bad relationship, watching your, you know, the relationship that you thought was going to be your future crumble. There's so many hard-hitting things and things that I think a lot of people will relate to. And for me, it was, I was relating to it in terms of fear. Like it doesn't even necessarily have to be things that you've experienced, but things that you fear experiencing in the future. So for me, that is the fear of my long-term relationship breaking down. Like that is genuinely, so to read that in such, um, it was really raw and heartfelt like it just, oh, like it makes me wow. feel a bit sick even thinking about it now. Like it's so emotional. Uh, it's just brilliant. And also just like compulsively readable as well. That was another one I started on the train and was just like really hooked into it. Um, just like is... never get to my stop. I need I to finish this book. <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah, I was just like, I don't want to get there. I need to finish this book. Um there's it's quite funny too like it is funny and it feels very contemporary the same way that um Laura Jane Williams our stop felt very like of the now this does too um without feeling like it's like deliberately trying to reference stuff to keep it cool you know like it's just a a feeling and it's just very like in terms of like social issues and things that are going on really amazing Interesting. yeah but I do think too like if you're listening to me and thinking oh that sounds like something I've experienced then I would say probably be be cautious if you're going to read it because I feel like it could be quite triggering if it's something that you've only just gone through like I felt quite emotional reading it and I've never experienced this stuff. So I think if it was, if it was a recent breakup or something that you've gone through, then I'd say probably just give it some time. (laughs) But um, yeah, I'm very excited. She has a new book out next year called Pretending. Yeah. Okay. So Mm. note to self, hurry up and read Holly (laughs) Porn. Exactly. Yeah. You're going to love it. So we've been reading amazing books lately, but there has been some really good TV lately as well. So The Crown and the new Eliza Schlesinger special both dropped on like the same day or one after the other on Netflix. So we've been spoiled for choice. So I just watched, like literally just watched the fourth episode of the third season of The Crown. So I've not finished it yet. Yeah, I like take my time with the show because it's like so, so much happens. Every yeah um but yes Eliza that was my yes. Sunday afternoon I was <laughs> watching it in bed by myself and I still laughed out loud and I was like oh no Mon is gonna think I've gone insane <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's even better because we saw some of the like, variations of that material when we saw Eliza live last year as well yes. so the fact exactly. that it was, and I was the same. I was still like, this is hilarious. <laughs> I'm still packing myself. And like yeah. I watching it, I was like, oh yeah, this does sound like familiar. But I mean, we saw her, it was like last December, wasn't it? Mm, it was. It was yeah. the 8th, I think. <laughs> yeah, somewhere near there. It was. It was near my birthday. Anyway, yeah. So it was ages ago which I was like yeah that's like so smart actually because she's about to tour again which means everyone who saw mm-hmm. her on tour has forgotten the content so we all love the special and then because she'll test new again, content and yeah. we're like forget the content again in time for the sixth 
special. <laughs> um, so I loved that um, the unveiled bit. She wrote on Instagram that it's to do with her middle name, which also relates back to like her second Netflix special. And oh my God. also that, that is like the best last line of a comedy special ever. Has she just my middle name? What's my middle name? And then like <laughs> mic drop. So good. That's so close. I just want to rewatch all of amazing. Them. Oh yeah, like I'm not surprised that I found this hilarious still because I've I've watched Freezing Hot and Confirmed Kills like probably ten times each, and I still laugh at them and I still find them hilarious. That the other reason that the V is big is because it's her fifth Netflix special, so it's like the Roman numeral five. Yeah, which I loved. That I was really cute. So cool. It was um, funny because at the start of the special where she walked out and there's, like, fire, I was like, oh, this is a bit intense for, like, a comedy special, you know, and then, like, blah, 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 the rest and everything. And I don't want to spoil the funny ending in case no one's watched it, but I was like, only Eliza could do this because this is not, like, a comedy special <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. It's yeah. very, yeah, it's very, very clever. It's yeah, more trickle. than just your average <laughs> Oh, she put so much into it. Like the like crab, the crab walking. Oh my god. I'm amazed. What a oh. gift. Oh my yeah. god. She's incredible the way she just gets into it. And um can we also take a moment? R.I.P. Blanche. Um oh, I know, that was so oh, sad. Oh god, the whole show was dedicated to Blanche. And then um at the end when she had the like wedding photos of her and Blanche. Jack no, was like, it was just like it wasn't even wedding photos. It was just like Blanche's wedding photos. Yeah. Well, Jack was like, <laughs> "How funny that she doesn't have any of Smoky Husky, who, which is the nickname for her husband." Um, because she's like, about How? him. We only care about Blanche. <laughs> I know, but I was like, "Yeah, babe, it's because Blanche is dead, so it's dedicated to Blanche. Like that's <laughs> why." And he was like, "Oh yeah, that's right." <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm not laughing at that because I think it's really sad that Blanche is dead, and I literally, so. For anyone who's not an Eliza fan, we love her dog Blanche. Blanche was everywhere with Eliza for like like eight or nine years. And yeah. we were so invested in Blanche. Like if you follow her stories, everything like that, literally that I saw the announcement I mean, that she died. Just about no one loves their dog as much as Eliza loved Blanche. And she exactly. was it wasn't just like Oh, it's her dog. Like, she was in every special as well. Mm-hmm. Like, she'd run across the stage and everything. It was very, oh, the, very sweet. Like, she was like a little that, character. She was. And the letter that Eliza wrote when Blanche passed away is like a full-on, it would be like a thousand words. But it was all about how, you know, that was – they toured together. Like, that was her mm. everything. That was her baby. Literally, the moment the mo- when I saw that, I, like, woke Jack up. In, in my scrolling on my phone in bed I was like oh my god Jack 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 oh my god Blanche died and he was like but but aren't they aren't Eliza and Smokey Husky in Tokyo like we just because we follow them on her stories all the time so like she, he was like but they're not even there with her like it's yeah it, we were very invested in Blanche so yeah the fact that the whole special was dedicated to her and that they filmed it before she passed away and had her coming on the stage and stuff was very, very moving. And yeah, mm-hmm. it must've been hard for Eliza to watch that back 
I'm getting all upset. I'm literally getting upset about like, it's like a bit of a bit of a sad note on the. I know special, people like it? people will think that I'm silly, but like if you the people who follow Eliza will know what I mean. Like it was such yeah. a huge part to 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 love Eliza was to love her talk. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and you know what? I think I might have another comparison because this morning. Um, I watched the videos of Taylor Swift at the American Music Awards. She was named Artist of the Decade and performed yep. a medley of her songs. And, yes, there, there was issues beforehand. If you pay any attention to yes. culture, you probably mm-hmm. know about this. But I watched the video of her acceptance speech and Carol King's introduction of her and then her expectance, acceptance speech of the Artist of the Decade Award. And it just, like, at the very beginning – of the speech, like the camera like flashed to her parents in the audience and her parents just looked so proud. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I like had a tear in my eye just like from the quick, quick cross to like her parents are here. Here's Taylor Swift. I was like. <gasps> oh, was... Well, and just recently um, Lord's dog died and she like cancelled part of her tour and stuff. Because of how, yeah, so they were talking about it on Hack. They were talking about the fact that, you know, how do you deal with a pet death? And, Mm. um, yeah, I think if you were the sort of person who, like Eliza, like literally toured and was away from everyone you knew and only had that gorgeous little beautiful lamb and, yeah, that it's just very, very hard. But (sighs) anyway, Blanche lives on in this special and... Everyone should enjoy Blanche's beautiful little personality, the littlest lamb. Um, but it was, it was a wonderful special. To, to bring it back up a little bit, uh, it was a wonderful special, very funny, very perceptive as usual, still very feminist. There's a quote from the special where she was like, you know, this thing that women can't say anything bad about any other woman because then you're like anti-feminist or anything. And mm. she's like, no, I will judge you on the asshole that you are. It's, it's very good. And, in fact, talking about it makes me want to watch it again. Well, and chat, 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 on to a wonderful interview. We really hope you enjoy this. We had fun recording this one. This week, we're joined by a writer who has used blogging and social media to build a new career after being diagnosed with depression. Her memoir, Depression in the Digital Age, explored her experience with depression and anxiety, and she's currently working on a guide to freelance writing, which is due out next year. Welcome to Better Words, Fiona Thomas. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. That was a nice introduction. Can I just, can you give me that so I can use it in future? (laughs) sure. (laughs) <laughs> sure thing no worries Michelle will be honoured <laughs> so let's dive right in um your first book explores your experience with depression and anxiety and while we recommend everyone runs out and gets a copy to fully experience it um can you just give us a brief rundown of you know your journey to publication like writing it and how it all came about yeah so I started blogging in 2012 um which was when I was off work with depression and anxiety. Basically, I had a, a breakdown um, in my mid-twenties and was off work for almost a year. And during that time, I just started a blog for something to do, really. Um, mm-hmm. And then as time went on, I, I managed to get back into work. And then in 2016, 
um, my husband and I, we, we always lived in Glasgow, but we moved down to Birmingham. Um, and when we moved down to Birmingham, I just kind of felt like the new surroundings gave me like a, a creativity boost. And I kind of switched my blogging from, um, I've been blogging about health and fitness really, and then switched very quickly to mental health all of a sudden, which is a bit of a, like a bit of a shock to me really because I I'd kind of kept my mental illness a bit of a secret like my friends and family knew but I didn't talk about it openly wasn't like wasn't one of these people that that shared what I was going through with anyone I just wanted it to go away I didn't like talking about it um Mm. but when I started blogging about it I just got a really I don't know I got I felt really good about it. It wasn't like I was getting millions and millions of page views, um, but I just felt it just felt right, you know. And you, oh, I don't know if you guys have ever gone from writing about something that you're maybe not that passionate about, to then all of a sudden thinking, I could write about this for years. Like I've got so much to say on this topic. So, <laughs> so I did that, and then um, after doing that for about a a year, I got um, offered some work with. A, a British online newspaper which is called the Metro um, and I got some paid writing work in that and after, when I when I did that the bent penny kind of dropped for me that maybe I could actually write something long like maybe I could write a book and it's just one of those things that like I always dreamed about doing but never genuinely thought I would I just thought oh, wouldn't that be cool if I wrote a book and when I just I just started thinking about basically allowing myself to dream <laughs> maybe one day I could write a book um, and then a few months later I saw that an independent publisher um, near me who specialise in mental health which is already like a, a unique like a quite an unusual thing um, they were looking for submissions so I kind of like was on the fence so should I submit should I not and then I saw that they were looking for um or they were hosting like a, an open day where you could go along and meet the editors and find out what how to pitch an idea and what they were looking for. So I thought like, like I am always have been like a geek. So I was like, oh, I'll go along and find out like the secrets, like how to actually submit and how to do it the best possible way. So I went along and um, it was very quiet. There was only, I think, two people, me and two other people turned up. So I got loads of good FaceTime with the editors and basically pitched my idea face-to-face with someone, just pitched it like an elevator pitch um, in a couple of sentences. And um, I think it was Chris at the time, the, the editor said, oh, that sounds really good. Can you can you write a proposal? So I wrote the proposal, submitted it in the January, no, submitted it in the December. And then in the January, they asked me to write two sample chapters and then in the February um, they sent me my contract so it was really <laughs> painless <laughs> wow um, and very very lucky that I just kind of came up with the idea very quickly and sent it out and, and it got accepted that when I first moved down to Birmingham I actually went for a job interview at the publisher um, <laughs> that was the only reason I knew about them is that I saw that they were looking for a copy editor and I am um, not trained in that but because it was a mental health publisher I thought oh that would be I would really enjoy that so I went for the interview and didn't get it and then it was like a year later that I saw 
even when I was at the interview, I didn't think, oh, maybe I would write a book. I just, it just wasn't even on my, like, on my mind. Um, so that's how I knew about them. So it just goes to show, like, you can have a negative, like, that would, some people would say, oh, that's a failure because you went to the interview and you didn't get it. But actually it made a really, really worthwhile connection that then when I, when I went along for the open day, they knew who I was. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's all about perspective the, in those exactly. things. The, the door opened to a different path or some cliche thing. You, you know, just don't you... know who you're talking to and when you're going to cross paths with them again. So you yeah, exactly. be, be nice to people. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, you do talk in the book about when you were younger wanting to be, you know, a witch or a Spice Girl or a writer, um, yep. you know, <laughs> Then you, you kind of explain that, you know, as you get into high school and stuff, there's a lot of pressure to sort of pick a career. And, um, you know, Caitlin and I certainly experienced this as well, this pressure to pick something that is going to be lucrative in terms of money or, you know, stable. Um, I got a lot of those questions about studying journalism. Um, mm. But, you know, how, how do you feel now? You actually are a writer, but you obviously came about in a totally different way to what you'd ever have expected when you were, you know, in primary school and, and saying, oh, I want to be a writer. Yeah, I'm I'm really, really proud of myself for the fact that I've managed to do a complete career pivot, basically. Um, and it's something that I've always, I've, since, well, if anyone reads the book, they'll know I worked in catering, basically, from when I graduated to when I was about 26. Um and that was my career. I was in management um, and I found it really, really hard. I was trying to get out of that career basically as soon as I started for like six years trying to get out. And uh-huh. no, I couldn't get interviews for any other industry because it was just, you know, well, you're in catering, you can't, you can't do anything else. And that was really hard for me because I knew I wanted to pivot into something else. And it's just crazy to think that the thing like the catalyst for me being able to do the career change that I always wanted to do was a mental breakdown because not only did that give me the the kind of the the realization that I couldn't continue to work in that in their industry that I was in but it also gave me basically the topic <laughs> and all the all the content to write about which is crazy yeah um, it certainly is <laughs> it's it's easy to look back and think at school oh I wish I had because I studied music at uni um but I also was on the fence about studying English and studying art and it's easy to look back and think oh I wish I had done English maybe I would have got into this career earlier maybe I'd be further along in my career but I just don't think I wouldn't be writing about the same things now if I had gone about it a different way it's just the way it's happened is, is the way it should have happened for me um, and when I studied music, basically it kind of just shook all the love that I had for music out of me. So I, I wonder if I'd studied English, if I would have just gone away yeah. from that and I don't want to do this anymore. Mm, that is what some people do say about that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. it's yeah. Um, yeah, it's tricky. I definitely find that because my, my job now is meshed between work and hobby and some things I do because I love them and some things I do just because they pay it's like it's, it's really hard and um it means that your working day blends into your personal life like a lot mm, I definitely want to come back to that 
um, <laughs> when we talk about the new book that you're working on at the moment. I think that's yeah. something lots of people will be interested in. <laughs> yes, definitely. So before we keep going with that one, um, about your first book, did you ever worry about like the reaction of your friends and family when they were reading it? Like how did that um, go? I probably should have, <laughs> but I didn't. I don't think I was just so um, I was just so laser focused on this is my book, this is my story, um, and because I'd been I had written written so many blog posts already, I just felt like everything that I wanted, all the topics that I wanted to cover, were all kind of had touched on more or less, and I knew I wasn't going to like like slag anyone off. Um, I wasn't going to give anyone like I'm, I'm the book isn't to blame anyone for the way I am or like I, if you've read the book you'll have had a lovely childhood like there's nothing there's no trauma there that um has led to the way I am it's just it's just the way I am um so like I say I probably should have been worried but I wasn't like my husband said you never asked me permission <laughs> to put my name in the book and I was like oh you're my husband <laughs> oh sorry that, too bad can't exactly use a fake a fake name um so so luckily it's been it's been all right because I'm yeah because nobody none of them got got a bad rep in the book um, and actually I did think oh it might be a bit awkward just for them to know your innermost thoughts but for me the writing it down is the easiest way to do that so I kind of I've always written for me and I always I've always written kind of how can I say like I think I'm quite fearless when I write like I just write as though no one's ever going to read it kind of thing um and then I don't really think about it again so I think I can be quite honest in my writing and I think that's a good thing so if they, I know that people have read it and like friends and family have said that it's given them a better understanding of what I was going through. So I think that can only be a good thing. Absolutely. And I think that's the best way to be a writer too, is to to not get too much in your own head about what everyone else will think, because no. otherwise you would, you would be censoring yourself in a way. Yeah. And you reading, do have to be honest and mm, free. I think reading is like a, such a personal activity isn't it I think the more vulnerable you can be it is like you're just having a conversation with someone in private so I think I think that it being vulnerable translates to to writing and reading um so we mentioned before your publisher like you said you were quite lucky to to even know about them and find out about them what have been the benefits do you think of, of signing with someone who is so focused on on mental health um well the main I think the main benefit for benefit for me was just being given the platform to tell my story because a lot of the people that are getting memoir book deals are celebrities or um influencers people with huge huge audiences and I did not have that um, and I still don't so getting the opportunity to actually tell my story was was once once in a lifetime <clears throat> um, and I don't think like a regular publisher would have taken that on it was just because because they have such a broad range of mental health topics they're always looking for a new angle so I think the fact that I had the kind of social media angle went in my favour um, given the chance to to share it and be amongst a team of 
authors. There's so many authors in there that all struggle with mental health as well. So it's really it's good to see all their books together. It's amazing to see all the different topics that they've covered. And obviously they take into account the fact that their authors have mental illness as well. So it can be pretty flexible with deadlines um, within reason. And they get always give really nice feedback. Like they're, they're never, they're never like this will never sell. They're always like really diplomatic um, with their feedback, and just a, like not even so much the fact that they're mental health focused, but the fact that it's a small team is nice. Um, you generally, generally know everybody that you're speaking to. You don't get passed all over to like someone in marketing that you've never heard of. Um, <laughs> Caitlin, yeah. that's you. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm just laughing because that would probably be my job. We'd be like, oh, our coordinator, Caitlin, will take care of this. Sounds like a very like nice experience, though, as an author to work with a team and a publisher like that. Yeah, it's and obviously I don't know anything else. So, um, yeah, sometimes I'll meet other authors and we've, we've had totally different experiences. Um, so, yeah, I feel really, I feel really lucky that... Um, that it's been good and it's not um like any stress that I've had has just been related to the actual writing of the book it's just been um making sure I set aside enough time and um the being happy with what I've written nothing it's been nothing to do with the actual process like the process has been pretty pretty simple hence why I decided to do it all over again (laughs) (laughs) Well, you pretty much just led me to my next question, which what has been the most challenging aspect of becoming a published author? I would say when the book came out, I had like a big, big dip in my mental health, which I wasn't Mm. prepared for. Um, And I think I think it's more common than people let on, like a lot of authors go through it. Um, My book came out in November and then in December I had um just a really big relapse and depression just because it was it was out there and I think I just had a big gap in my life um because all attention had been building up and building up and then of course the book comes out but then there's not really any you know people don't read it in a day (laughs) so you don't really (laughs) get you don't really get feedback for months um, you don't find out your sales for months and you know the publisher I've got other books to promote so you're just a bit like okay that's done now <laughs> um, so I found that really um, I guess because I didn't know what to expect so I was expecting it to be a lot more I don't know exciting but because it was Christmas um, there wasn't really any events or anything happening Whereas, so my book came out in the November and then I didn't do my official launch until the January. That was when my, yeah, that was when my Waterstones launch was. And after that, I felt amazing. Like that was the best, (laughs) that was the best part of the whole experience. But yeah, definitely dealing with the kind of the mental and physical like crash after a year of being on, you know, on overdrive. That was definitely part. I think that is, um, something that probably doesn't get spoken about a lot because you know no matter who you are or what your book's about and everything it is like so much work and so much goes into it and it's you know so much of you and then kind of once the book hits the shelves it's like 
okay, that's it. It's got to do its own thing. And, mm. yeah, we don't really talk about that very often. Yeah, really. and I think, I think because we live in the world of instant gratification, like, yeah, wait, waiting that long to find out if it's been re- well-received is just really... Um, is like out of the ordinary exactly because you're not going to be like oh it sold a million copies in one day i'm so exactly like that takes i mean unless you're like michelle obama (laughs) yeah exactly but like i'm sure she felt nervous as well about the release (laughs) (laughs) everyone (laughs) yeah so the day that my book came out i started writing no the proposal for my second book and i thought i better not send this I better not send this today because that would be weird. <laughs> so I sent it, <laughs> sent it like the day after to my editor. He was like, okay, <laughs> you're crazy. Well, that does sort of come down to success and stuff as well, which we, we do want to touch on. But you mentioned your second book, obviously, which you're working on at the moment. And that is more about freelance life. Can you tell us a little bit about that and sort of who it's aimed at? Yeah, so this um, is the first book that um, Trigger Publishing are releasing that's not strictly about mental health. So um, although it's written by me, so it will have quite a, it will have a mental health thread that runs all the way through it purely because that's just something that I think we all need to um, prioritise, especially if we are freelance. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's a book about, basically the kind of trials and tribulations of how to go freelance um, without killing yourself in the process. So <laughs> it's, it's um, split into three sections um, and the first section's kind of about mindset and how to feel worthy of going freelance and what um, what to wear in mind if you're thinking about doing it and for people who are scared and think they're not good enough, like I just really want to give them a pep talk to let them know that you know it's not perfect here's all the things that can go wrong but here's all the things that can go right um, and this second section is all about practical advice so like um, money and tax and insurance and um, how to set up your home office and how to send an invoice all those things that you're like too scared to ask anyone or you feel stupid to ask when you first start out and then the last section's all kind of about like being your best self. So it's all about productivity um, and selling your services without feeling icky and how to build a network and make freelance friends. Um, yeah, so it's kind of, it's targeted at people who are thinking about starting out but, but really don't feel ready to do it, um, as well as people who are like me, maybe be doing it for like a year or so and want to kind of up their game. So it's definitely for people at the start of their journey. I John, Michelle, are you a like book? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just listening to you talk about that, like just that quick rundown you just gave us. And I'm like, oh my God, Michelle complains about all of this stuff to me all the time. <laughs> I mean, that is also why I love following you online, Fiona, and why we've connected as well. Because I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. yeah. I'm so with helpful. you, Michelle. I'm always complaining and moaning and trying to find out the right answer and the book isn't the book isn't about me giving you all the answers because I, I've only been doing this for a couple of years but it's just a kind of the sentiment of the book is that actually you don't need to know what you're doing like it's it's fine as long as you like the work that you do you will figure out a way to make it work for you and it's not you know 
everybody that's freelance starts out not knowing what to do so don't let that be a thing that puts you off absolutely that's so that. true um, yeah. and I think that's something that a lot of people will relate to too the imposter syndrome and just sort of doubting yourself constantly um, even before you make the decision I mean I feel quite lucky because um, I sort of had an excuse to do it mm-hmm. I know I wouldn't have done it at this time if I was in Australia because I would have felt that I couldn't leave the workforce and that I would I would have felt guilty for it. I wouldn't have had enough financial stability. Whereas I was like, oh, well, I'm moving anyway. Like, what's the worst that could happen? I'll just and give it a Time for a new thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, oh, well, I'm going to be unemployed anyway. I may as well be unemployed and working on what I actually enjoy rather than finding a job that I potentially hate and that makes me super run down and burnt out when I'm trying to avoid that by moving here so yeah I definitely I feel like I just sort of fell into it yeah and that's that's the thing that I hear and I talk to a lot of people is that they they fell into it or they they had maybe like you say they lost a job and thought I'll just give it a go or they maybe had a baby and they thought I don't know how I'm going to manage to fit this um fit having a baby around work and for me it was I was working um in a cafe part-time and I was writing um part-time as well and it got to the point where I had too much too much writing work um (laughs) that I was having to turn it down because I was having to go and work in the cafe and I just thought this this doesn't make sense like but that was when and I was just at breaking point because I was so busy with everything so my husband said look why don't you just quit your job and just try it for a month and worst case scenario you can go and get another cafe job that's just got slightly less hours um, and that's what I did and that was <clears throat> almost two years ago so I think that that sort of thing is common we had a book club the other night where we were talking about the multi-hyphen method and oh, that yes. was the story of a lot yeah I'm going to come back to that later <laughs> um, but yeah that was the story of a lot of people was um, I've been made redundant and so that's why I decided to jump into it or yeah I, th- I think this book is going to be so helpful for so many people um, even just as that permission slip to, to actually do it that's it well I because I read the multi-hyphen method um, before before I went freelance and it, it just because you, I think when you're thinking about it reading these books is is really helpful just to get you in the mindset and to think start thinking like a self-employed person um so even if it's someone yeah someone that doesn't think they're ready like reading these books I think is really helpful because it just yeah it almost allows you to dream about it yeah I kind of love that it gives you a chance to <laughs> Be like, hmm, I could do this as well. Yeah. yeah. Which is probably what a lot of people think about your Instagram. Your Instagram really focuses on keeping like freelance life and freelance work realistic and not something that should be misunderstood or idolized. So what are the big myths about freelance work that you'd like to eliminate or demystify? So I think people think that um freelancers well some people think freelancers are rich because they charge such a premium but they don't realize that if your day rate I'm not saying this is my day rate but say your day rate was like 500 pounds um that doesn't mean that you work every day of the month and that's why we have to charge more um 
and because we have to pay overheads, we have to pay for our internet connection and our travel everywhere um, and all our software and all these annoying things that add up every month. You think, oh my God, how am I spending this much money on like apps that are literally essential to my job? Um, <laughs> I think a lot of people think, yeah, that we're like absolutely rolling in it and we're not. Um, also, people think that you, that we are working in like the most exciting locations, like that we're like writing on a beach or the beautiful cafe um, overlooking a lake and all this stuff. And actually, just sitting in my flat or in my bed or <laughs> on the on the train to a meeting, doing emails on my phone um, and stuff like that. And also. Yeah, people think that you can. People think that you can choose your own working hours, and you can, but it's very, very difficult to switch off. Um, and a lot of people, like I, sometimes feel like I get a bit of a hard time because when I go home, which is to Scotland, um, I will work when I'm there. Like I don't ever, like I wouldn't take a full two weeks off. I just wouldn't be able to do it. Um, and I feel like I get a bit of judgment for that but realistically if you're not working for two weeks you're not making any money um mm. yeah so, you can't give yourself annual leave paid annual no, leave like not yeah, you, someone with a yeah. full-time job could yeah don't get me wrong I'd, I'd love to be in the position where I can earn enough money to do that but right now it's just not feasible I do work from a coffee shop quite a lot but, it, but for me it's more of more because to force myself to get out of the house for my mental health. It's not because I just love doing it. It's just mm. I know that it's not healthy to be in the same room five days a week. Um, it's nice to be around and interact with, you know, the person behind the counter and say hello and maybe have someone ask you what the time is. Like, all these little things that you don't... Like, that seem menial, but, like, they're, um, they're part of being a loving human like interacting with other people so if you're home yeah alone for eight hours a day and then the only person you see is your partner when they come home if you've got a partner um like it's all these things that can really it can really affect your mental health and loneliness is like the biggest worry for freelancers um and it's it's funny because we interchange the term like isolation and loneliness but they're different so you could be at home and you know I don't get lonely I don't get lonely because I'm an introvert and I don't need a lot of human interaction to give me energy um so I'm not lonely but I'm still isolated I am isolated and I can't I can't deny that I'm physically isolated from other people five days a week and that that has literally has a like a proven effect on your physical health and your mental health so even if I don't feel it um it does technically have an effect so I need to try and counteract that I think Instagram stories definitely bridges the gap and it gives you that I guess it's kind of like the it's like if you're in an office and you're having a phone call it's it's that equivalent of you're still interacting with people um and I I sometimes send my friends voice notes because I feel like um I haven't heard my own voice enough that day. <laughs> like, hi, just voice note to you. I sent someone like a six-minute voice memo while I was walking yeah. to my poll class because I was like, I've, I'm just going to keep talking to you. Um, so this is happening, blah, blah, blah. 
Yeah. Oh, sometimes it does the help. Thing, well, the things that another thing that you miss from being in a in a traditional work environment is just those li- those tiny little back and forth that don't feel like they mean anything. Um, but they do. Just you know, what did you have for your breakfast? What are you having for your lunch? Did you see that program on TV last night? Or both bonding over like eye rolling at something your boss has said like all those little things if you can find them in voice notes and messages on Instagram like yeah it's so interesting hearing you both talk about this because like I have never worked freelance and this is like from my understanding of it that's something that I never really thought about until Michelle you started working freelance this year because um we're both quite chatty but like sometimes I would come over to your house after we'd both finished work last year or earlier this year and we both kind of go and just like breathe for a second Mm -hmm. and like then talk and now I get on and you don't shut up because you're (laughs) but it's so funny because because I do work in an office with a lot of other people you know I am chatting all day and sometimes I'm like I need everyone to be quiet so it's so interesting to because you don't think about that being so important until you don't have it. Exactly. And I always worked in customer service, which was oh, for, very chatty. For, for an introvert with depression and anxiety, it's just, wow. it's just hellish. It's just oh, like having to constantly be um, look happy and willing to serve people and chat and have small talk for like eight or sometimes like 12 hours a day it was just I I knew I couldn't do that long term so for me then to get um the chance to work from home I I was like absolutely loving it but then like (laughs) everything else it just becomes your new norm doesn't it so now I know that I I need I need a little bit of one-to-one human interaction maybe even if it's just once a week making sure that I meet up with um somebody go for a coffee or do some co-working or have a Skype call or even something like this like I know that recording the podcast is great like it's that's good because it's work and it's human interaction um, and I do a lot of um, public speaking as well so I know that if I've got that like I'll speak to loads of people that day so incorporating it into work is helpful if you can and then yeah just and also like the more you meet people in real life as a freelancer it does it helps your business as well because you make a better connection with people when you meet them in real life. I did mention before multi-hyphen method and I know that you love Emma's work and there is a quote from Emma on your book as well which very exciting. Don't Um, even start honestly that was the best day of my life. (laughs) When I I got the email saying that she would, would endorse the book I was just like oh I'd die happy now this, I don't even need to publish a book I just know that she she likes it <laughs> <laughs> she is amazing um and you know there's a lot in in the multi-hyphen method and in your book as well about like we said before choosing a career and then also the idea of success and what that is and this um socially conditioned idea of success that we feel like we have to fit into but now that you've gone through all of this and, you know, pivoted your career and stuff, would you have any advice for your younger self? If you could go back in time and say something to young Fiona, like, is there anything you'd say? I would say don't pick or don't, don't, um, 
don't make your career choices based on a job title or a salary try and make your choices based on something that you enjoy and things that make you happy and don't don't stop being creative because I think that was a big big issue for me was that when I um when I finished university I didn't have any creativity in my life for about five years um and that was a huge that had a huge impact on my mental health and I didn't realize I just didn't realize that that was such an important part of my life um so I would say yeah keep trying to do something creative don't worry if you can't if you've not figured out what you want to do yet but just keep keep trying because I think when I graduated I just resigned myself to the fact that working in a creative job was never going to happen for me and that's that's how I made the switch and kind of decided right I'm going to make this corporate career work and that that was the thing that made me really ill so I would say keep trying keep trying to be creative I think that's a lovely note to end it on (laughs) yeah (laughs) um so where can people find you and also your book so my book is called Depression in a Digital Age. You can get it on Amazon. Or you can get it on the Trigger website. It's also available on other bookstores like um, Waterstones and WH Smith. And I think it's in foils as well. If you want to follow me, definitely come find me on Instagram because that's where I'm most active. And I am Fiona Likes to Blog. That is that's That was my website that I set up back in the day and I've just never, ever changed it over. But I think I think it still I think it still works because I like to blog. I like it. Um, yeah. So on Instagram, I'm Fiona likes to blog, and my website is Fiona likes to blog dot com. If you want to find out any more. Do you know roughly when your next book is going to come out? Yes, it's out in August twenty twenty. Oh, okay, good. Well, we'll have to remember and keep our eyes out. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And we will be following along um, as you write that as well. No pressure, Mm. but back on Instagram. (laughs) Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Better Words. If you enjoyed it, we'd love it if you left a rating or review on iTunes. It really would mean the world to us. And you can also find us at our website, betterwordspodcast.com and on social media at betterwordspod on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Bye. Bye.